We don't have to count. Oh, my God. You're right. We don't have to count. Mm, no. <laughs> we're in the same room, everybody. Yay. It's that time of year. We're in the same room. We're making time to record. Yeah. For you. And we had, like, very strict instructions, one of which was don't let that dog be in between us. But that dog is now sleeping all the way across the room. Right. There, so he, he, heard the, he heard the insult, and now he's left us, which is fine. <laughs> I think that's fine for Jen. Um, anyway, welcome, everyone, to Faded Mates. This is our... Uh, we are live together. We're live together, yeah. And you're missing the experience, but I'm going to actually take a picture of us right now. Oh, my God. So that we can um, share. Make it as our... Uh, okay, that's it. Everybody heard the click? That's going to be what you're looking at right now. <laughs> um, I got really nervous because, wait, speaking of taking pictures, this is like a true story. So Kristen, who's Sarah's publicist, is always like, you should take a picture of the two of you. People want to know <laughs> <laughs> what the two of you look like and together. And we do have like a handful of pictures of us, but they are not what no, Kristen like, would probably refer to as professional not at all they're like those dumb ones yeah we took together so here's the deal you guys (laughs) we actually since jen is here in new york city for one night only um we are uh we have had a meeting we had had a really like professional meeting by the way the three of us the three of us got together and we like talked about the podcast which is possibly the first time we've ever had like a really professional meeting We've had them before, but they like, evolve into like, like other cas- things. Casual meetings, but we like had the list of things we wanted to talk about, including Fated Mates Live. Yes. Um, there is a Fated Mates Live coming in the spring, everyone. It will definitely be in New York City. Yeah. So um, you uh, stay tuned for that announcement as soon as we know what we're doing. Yes. Um, and we'll probably take the picture then, let's be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you're in New York City and you take pictures of people... <laughs> Let Please us let us know. Because we're dumb. Yeah. I'm a dummy. Like, I just cannot figure anything out. I already said welcome to Fate of Mates, but I feel like I should also say I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and New York City tourist. <laughs> I feel like, you know in The Simpsons, were you ever a Simpsons watcher? Yeah, of course. You know at the beginning where Bart is, um, he's writing, writing on the yeah. chalkboard and it's always something new. Maybe, like, that should be your thing. Because you do have so many things that you... Too many hats I'm wearing, yeah. You're a lot of hats. Well, so here's the thing. We're in New York for the weekend because Mr. Reed's Romance has a business trip. And so I'm, like, kind of playing playing hooky from school. Although it's their personal days, it's fine. And then... But if I was telling him last night, so we came Thursday. And usually for a weekend, you come Friday. So it just feels so, like, sexy to have a whole extra really day. Really right? Exactly. Yeah. But we are staying in Midtown. And... So we like, you know, kind of got in and got to the hotel and then it was like maybe six. And so we decided to walk out and just find a place to eat. And then I was like, well, we're here and it's Thursday and it's December. So we should really do like the Christmas in New York I mean, City. Christmas, New York, the Chicago show. Yes. Yeah. But not like this. New York shows. Yes. Yeah. It's really nice. And because we're in Midtown, it's literally right there. So we walked down like Lexington and sort of had dinner at like on a place on 48th, which my husband picked just because it looked like two bulls. There two we walk, bulls? We walked past a place like called... Like the animal? Yeah. The, we walked past one place called the Wolf and the Lamb, but the oh, next yeah. place down was two bulls. That's not what it was called. It was called something else. And he was like, I like the place with the two bulls. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. It's a real vibe. Anyway, it was fine. It was, it was good. We had a good time. 
But it was just, like, nice, and we were, like, chatting, and, like, it was great. And then we were able to just literally, like, walk down to Fifth Avenue, right, kind of out the other way, and ran right into that, like, whole business on the side of the Saks with the... Oh, yeah, listen, Saks Fifth Avenue, if you have never been to New York for Christmas and you're close by, obviously, yeah. like, it's a little late for late in the game this year, but in the future, yeah. Saks Fifth Avenue really does the business. And that is because it's, like... It's like Christmas Central there. Yeah. The Rockefeller Center Christmas yes. tree is there. You yes. can see the tree yeah. from the front of Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah. And so, like, Saks has to show. So yeah. the windows are always, like, gorgeous. What's the theme this year? It appeared to be the signs of the Zodiac. That's what I figured from the big wheel. Yeah, it was really cool. The, the windows, too? So, okay, it was so crowded, we couldn't even get near the windows. Oh, we were across the block. Oh. And I have a pretty high tolerance for crowds, but it was with people that's interesting see we usually take uh v into the city because we usually do christmas here in, yeah in new york and we usually take her into the city um the like the immediate weekend before christmas yeah which is when like the tourists have sort of quieted down right, because right. everybody's home like yeah, getting already yeah yeah no so it was it was crazy how crowded it was so then we walked kind of right across there's this you know, as you know, like the angels <laughs> and then like, you know, the Rockefeller Center tree. I mean, it was so crowded. I were, I couldn't believe how crowded it was. So yeah. anyway, we don't usually do touristy stuff, but we I was like, that's it. And then I hung out with Sarah all day and we're going to see Back to the Future, the musical or whatever show, whatever it is tomorrow. So fun. Exactly. A real December in New York. It, except for and the tonight weather. we're having dinner. I'm I'm cooking. You are. Jen's been here while I've been like chopping things <laughs> and putting things in the oven. And we're having dinner and Adriana is coming with her husband and daughter. I know. It's gonna, be, it's so gonna fun. be so fun. Yeah. Anyway, Jen, I asked Instagram. Oh, yes. And there the So dis- the the topic this week is banter again, vibes. pretty much. <laughs> vibes. Um, we, so I asked Instagram and I asked the discord for questions. Okay. And so I said, you can offer us a question or a rec request and okay. we will do, we'll do our best. The business. Okay. So I just opened Instagram while we were talking because, um, as Eric has said to people mm-hmm. often is we just hit record and start going. Yes. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes it gets weird. Oh, I'm not going to ask you that one. Mm. People asking us to say things that we won't say out loud. Like, what's a book we found meh this year? Oh, yeah. No, no. we don't. You have to get me in person over a cup of a glass of wine. Exactly. We don't talk about books we find meh on Fated Mates because we believe that romance is amazing and (laughs) you should read the best of it. Okay. Which trope? Oh, this is a good one. This is from Grace Haley. Okay. Which trope? do you think has seen the biggest evolution over time? Ooh, that is a good one. You know, okay, intuitively, I feel like it has to be about pregnancy and babies. And I'm going to tell you why. So first of all, I think one of the things that's been really interesting is um, when the trope, like, first started, like, right when I first started reading romance, like, of course, a baby meant you were going to, like, get together with this man and, you know, be with him. And, like, that was just that, right? But it also didn't feel like as big of a deal. Like, I don't remember, like, a whole lot of, like, secret baby or even, like, pregnancy tropes as a, like, young romance reader. 
In fact, if they happen, they often happen instead as sort of almost like part of an epilogue. So there's like a famous, uh, it's Elizabeth Lowell, of course. There's a book called Chain Lightning, where she has had like, I think, some miscarriages. And so like when it comes time to talk about like birth control, she says something kind of ambiguous, like, don't worry, I can't have an unwanted baby or something like, I don't know, something like that. Mm -hmm. But what she means is like, I would love to have a baby. Like there's no such thing as an unwanted baby to me or whatever. Right. Right. So then they break up at the end and she disappears, probably also part of that. Mm -hmm. And then when he finds her, she's like several months pregnant. Yeah. And he's like, but I thought you couldn't get pregnant. She's like, that's not what I said or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So often it wasn't really used as a lever to get them together. It was instead, you know what I mean? Now, I feel like then, though, what was really interesting is, like, and I think it's not a good thing. I'm sorry. I'm, like, kind of circling around my thesis here. Yeah, right. Then there was, like, a real, maybe five or six years ago, I felt like category romance started leaning super hard into pregnancy. Like you and and the reason I know this is because a friend of mine is a librarian and at the end of the year, she'd be like, "Okay, all the Harlequin desires from this year have to go because, you know, they just like move them through. Right. Because there's enough space. Yeah. So I got like a bag, the brown paper bag of like a a year's worth of Harlequin desires or whatever. And I was like, why are all these bitches pregnant? (laughs) (laughs) Now, this was before Roe v. Wade. Right. Yeah. And I really felt. Like, kind of smacked in the head with it. Like, the kind of... The baby The as baby as... Plot device. As plot device. The baby as glue keeping these people together. Um, it felt very kind of yucky to me, mm-hmm. almost. Like, real women want babies, and I don't think that's true. Um, and I, I was really like, what is going on? Yeah. And I feel like that since Roe v. Wade... Yeah. I feel like that has dropped off a cliff. Yeah. Right? So I don't I don't know what I'm saying about pregnancy, but I think I'm saying that to me is often a bellwether about something in society itself. Yeah. That's interesting. So I think my answer to this would be a much uh, more casual answer <laughs> than that. I would say um, that I, I want to talk about Guardian Ward, mm-hmm. which hardcore installed a button in me as a young romance reader when it was sort of like not uncommon for a 30-something-year-old guardian to fall in love with his 18-year-old ward. Yeah. And it not only wasn't uncommon, it was like perfectly normal. And this is, of course, in large part um, in historicals, obviously, like that's a big piece of it. But there were also, like, there, I remember, like, a Diana Palmer um, from when I, I mean, I was in a laundromat when I read it. So, like, it had to have been, like, in the 21st century. (laughs) Um, And so, where, like, you know, it was a Western, like, a contemporary Western. And uh, she had been to college and, like, got home. And, you know, her guardian, who was in his, like, early 40s was like they were in love and now i think that has become like truly the realm of the taboo like there is you don't see guardian ward so you know what it is with that age gap it's just daddy now it's pure kink 
Yeah, it's that's what I mean. Right? Like, it's yeah. just not... It's not played as, like, a straight romance trope. It's an erotica trope almost, right? right? Where, like, it definitely, in the 80s and 90s, and even early aughts, was an okay... It was okay. Yeah. And I think maybe we saw fewer and fewer of them, but we certainly, like, didn't blink. Yeah. And now, when we see it, we're like, oh, yeah, that is for one-handed reads and one-handed reads only. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah, it's too, it's too hard for you to, to make that happen. That's but a really good point. It's a bummer, because I do enjoy it. Okay. This is a great question from um, CC Bunny. Um, what are your favorite books you read this year that weren't released in 2023? Now, before, while well, Sarah has a chance to think, one of the things I say, have said all the time, yeah. right, is that what we should really do is essentially have the best of, like, 2019. <laughs> like, have the best mm-hmm. of from three or four years ago. Because the truth is, it takes a while for us to, like, know that a book has become, like, a favorite, right? Or books that I enjoyed or seemed fine, I found myself reading and rereading, right, later. And then books that I thought I loved, I never read again, right? And to me, rereading is a very big um part of like how i know that i love something i don't mm-hmm. know if that makes sense mm-hmm. so um i can start because a book that i that like really like knocked me off my like knocked my socks off this year that was not from from 2023 was a book called bass Ackwards by eris adderley oh yeah we talked about this on yeah an episode. and i think we've talked about this on an episode um for sure i don't remember which one though but it's and the thing I think I liked about it is it felt messy in the way that like real relationships are messy. You know, like these people really it was oh so it was on the uh, the season 5 episode Fast and Sendiary Birds romance novels that start with the bang. Mm-hmm. Literally because what happens and but what I really liked about this book is it's a boss and employee mm-hmm. um but it's terrible the way it starts and it's terrible in the way that you're like, there's no way this could happen, which is this, this, the heroine asked her boss for the day off because her grandfather needs some sort of help. And it has to be like on a certain day, Bill is the guy's name. And someone actually somewhere, maybe on the discord made a really interesting point about the fact that this guy's name is Bill is really like channeling what a, just like, this is not a romance hero. It's just a dude. It's just a dude. And he essentially says to her, like, no way. And she's like, I'll do anything. And he's like, okay, well, let's go in the back and have sex then. And <laughs> and he's, like, kind of <laughs> thinking that she's going to say no. <laughs> and instead, she's like, I guess if that's what we have to fucking do. And he's like, wait, what? But he still does it. And, th- and this is a a scene that no one should ever be able to come back from. Mm -mm. And yet it ended up really working for me. And so I think one of the things about like, kind of a, like, is I was just like, how is, and then as a reader, I'm always really interested in how did they make it work? Yep. Right. Does that make sense? So here's a thing that absolutely should not have worked. And by the way, will not work for many of you, right? This will be unforgivable. And yet really worked for me. Mm-hmm. How did it work? What are the buttons that it pushed that made it work? But that would be an example of a book I read this year that I really loved. Yeah. Well, we I talked on our divorce episode about the book that I read this year that was not a 2023 book. And that was um, 
Jess K. Hardy's Come As You Are, which I found really, like, it just was a book that hit perfectly when I found it. It was It's a seasoned romance, which um, both of the characters are over 40, um, that they are both, he, she is divorced. He is a aging, uh, former rock star who like hit rock bottom, mm-hmm. ended up in, uh, prison and then in rehab and now is clean and out of prison and runs a like home, a men's home for men who are also, who have also hit rock bottom. She is trying to save her family ski resort. So it has this kind of vibe of like, those like classic contemporaries where the heroine has a weird job and like, I mean, whoever even thought mm-hmm. that there were family ski resorts. <laughs> Fun fact. I think I said that on the last time I talked on the episode that I talked about this last and somebody texted us and said, or messaged mm-hmm. us and said, Oh no, my family owns a ski resort. So cool. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, a cool job, heroin, the cool job. And like two people who have like been through it, who know who are serious people who have lived serious lives and now are finding each other and like really, really falling for each other in this incredibly sexy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, of course, this scratched all of my like Gen X. Like, I yeah. just want to marry, um, you know, Eddie Vedder vibes. <laughs> but also, it was like it was just a great book, and it was a book that I read, and it 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 actually came out in early. 20, it came out in 2022, so it's, like, yeah. a very recent book. But I wanted to put it on the Best of the Year episode, and I couldn't because... Yeah, because it was not... Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, another one I read that was from 2020. Um, I read a couple books by Alice Coldbreath. Uh, the series oh, yeah. is called The Victorian Prize Fighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think partly one of the things I liked about... And I think I read the first two. So one's called A Substitute Wife for the Prize Fighter, and the second one is called A Bride for the Prize Fighter. And I think that I read two before reading one. I think I read them out of order. And one of the things I just would say I liked about them is that these were historicals that were not about the aristocracy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so. You know, he's just a fighter. They have to go to these, like, matches at, like, you know, like, local affair. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we're going to this town next. Like, not the circus, but kind of, right? Whatever. And, you know, she's just, like, a maid or, like, cooks or whatever. And I I found, like, that whole part to be really interesting. Like, it just sort of felt like sometimes for me when I get, like, a little bored, it's kind of like, okay, well, can I read a historical but that is, you know, set in a different time, right? Victorians and set with, like, different kinds of people. So that was the other one I would say. I like it. Yeah. This week's episode is sponsored by Charlotte O'Shea, author of Snowfire. Everyone loves a Christmas novella, and here we have one with a ballet dancer named Natalia meeting a surly baker with a dark past. Like Moonstruck. 
<laughs> like Moonstruck, everybody. Just like it. So in this case, Natalia is our ballet dancer. She has sacrificed everything, her social life, right? Her ability to have relationships to become a world-class performer. Um, but she has an injury, and it's really sidelined her, and it is at this point that she meets Luca. And he is, um, he thought he was going to escape, like, sort of what he thought would be this boring Life in his family's bakery. It's been they've been they've had a bakery in Hell's Kitchen for three generations. Oh my god! It really is like it, it really is like Moonstruck. Okay. <laughs> Only he made some mistakes. He actually ended up in prison. Now he's out. He's trying to get his life back together again, and probably really does not have time for this fly by night flighty dancer. But opposites attract everybody as we know and christmas magic doesn't care if straight arrow natalia and fallen angel luca should have never met they did and now can they figure out a future together even though neither of them thinks they deserve it oh this is the stuff christmas novellas are made of that's right. Snowfire is available right now in print and ebook, and it's priced at 99 cents for a limited time in E. So snatch that up. Learn more about Charlotte O'Shea at her website, charlotteoshayauthor.com. And thanks so much, Charlotte, for sponsoring this week's episode. All right, here's a good question Do you DNF, Jen? And if so, for what reasons? <laughs> yes. Hulk. Me too. I am. I listen. You guys, there's just way too many books out there. Yeah. To, you can't just be out here reading bad books. No. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's the part that's really interesting, because one of the things that like in like the many conversations about DNFing. So I'm a big fan of DNFing. I I love reading. And if I'm not having a good time reading, I'm kind of like, listen, I don't I don't need to be doing this to myself right now. But the truth is that they're sort of like passive DNFing. And then what we would call, like, DNFing with capital letters, mm. <laughs> right? And, mm-hmm. like, passive DNFing is basically just, you know, you put it down and you just never pick it back up again, right? Like, oh, yeah, that happens a lot. Right, where it's not that anything was wrong with the book or, you know, but, like, for whatever reason, I'll read a chapter or two and then I'll just sort of be like, well, maybe what else is on my Kindle, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not like me being, it's not like a hard DNF, you know, <laughs> So that happens a lot. And that sometimes I've come back to those books and found that they worked great for me. Right. Yeah. It's a it it's just mood. might not be the right time. Right. If a you're book. a mood reader, then like the passive DNF can happen a lot. But the, the active DNF. Active DNF. Listen, I mean, for me, there's only one reason, and that is boredom. So that would I would say sure. Oh well, there's ob- there's, there's also the obvious reason: racism or sexism yeah. or just something that is like just not okay. I'm not a person who needs or uses content warnings usually. Mm. Like I just don't. It doesn't help me. They they don't help me make a decision usually for me personally. Um, but there have definitely been times when I've come across something. And I've been like, okay, I don't, I don't want to read about this, right? Like it's sexual assault or it's a cults tend to be actually kind of a hard pass for me usually but you know my my kind of issue is if it says cult as part of like the warning i don't really know if it's going to be that like well someone was in but they're not in it you know what i mean like there's like a very specific kind of cult that i can't do which is like someone's being actively recruited into the cult yeah that's really interesting it's so funny because you've said yeah. that before the yeah cult, the cult resistance and obviously there is a cult 
subplot in Beach Read that is not, neither of them are related to the yeah. cult in any way. Right. But like you say it like that's a common thread in romance. And I don't feel like I've ever read a cult romance. You know, there was a, like, here's one where I was able to keep reading, but it was kind of hard, is um, there was a Rebecca Zanetti where oh, oh. she had... Yes, no, I remember that. Right? But there was, I, well, Tilly Cole, we all know has bigger problems now, mm-hmm. but uh, quite a few people, when they heard uh, my secret love for motorcycle romance, recommended me one called... I don't know, whatever the first one of that series was. And I started it and immediately DNF'd. I was like, this is going to upset me and I'm not going to enjoy reading it. And it's just not for me. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I think you should DNF. And I think if if it was, I've DNF'd on page two because I thought I saw something real racist and I'll tell people about it. And they'll say like, well, you didn't read enough. And I was like, I did. If I read enough to be offended, I read enough. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to lie to people and say I read the whole book. But, you know, if I bounce out of something that fast. So. Yeah. I usually give it a chapter. Yeah. Um, Obviously, yes. If I see something, like, glaringly just bad, like, terrible. Yeah. Like, yeah. indicating that perhaps there are more terrible the things to come. Is terrible. Then I'm going to stop. I do not. Find, I don't think I have ever stopped reading a book because of content. Like, yeah, because of like cults or, you know, something like, like con- that. Yeah. I also don't use content warnings, but it's not because, it, I mean, you should if you need them. Right. But I don't have that problem as a reader. Right. Yeah. Like, um, I just, stop. just I'm not yeah. challenged by content in books, um, in which is, you know, maybe someday I will be. Um, but I, yeah, for me, it is, I, if I am done with the first chapter and I feel like it hasn't yeah. started with a bang. Yeah. Not a literal bang, but like some kind Something, of Something, some kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean. Then I often am just like, mm, yeah, there's probably something else. I will also say on the passive DNF side, because I have so many persnickety things about me in terms of like the kinds of narrative style I like, I will sometimes read a book and be like, I'm too tired for present tense right now. And I'll just stop. <laughs> And it's not like a hard DNF, but it just feels exhausting. Like, I'm going to be wearing the skin suit of this person, and it's not really the reading experience yeah. I want right now. So I have some, because of the, the, like, really strong preferences about the kinds of stories I like to hear, sometimes I will, again, it's not like a full DNF, but it's more like a, I'm not in the mood for reading this right now, and yeah. I'll know the minute I start. Like, know. in my case, sometimes people sneak in a spy I won't have it. Yes. You're I'm like, out. no, you're done. That is, I need that content warning. <laughs> yeah, right. Just for me. A private content warning for me about spies. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, Kristen Becca said, what romance-related topics do you save for your in-person time together? <laughs> That's a great question. <sighs> I do think that sometimes, although we've become in six seasons more open with our listeners, there are periodically moments where I'll read a book that's, like, almost too dirty. Mm. And so I'll, like, yeah. bring that up pri- right. off off the pod. Yeah. Okay. We don't, we've already said, we don't really talk about books we don't like or feel are meh for, like, obvious reasons. I think it's very hard to talk about them without it feeling mean. But I also, th- and and I don't even think we actually tend to do that that much just when we're in person. But I do think we talk about the craft of writing far more when we are in person. And, mm-hmm. and that's because I think that 
we don't think you all would think that's that interesting. <laughs> yeah, we, I right? mean, that, but listen, you I'm going to just be super honest. Like when we do talk about craft on the po- on the podcast, we can tell that you don't think that that's this interesting. Yeah, like right. we've done a couple of episodes where like we've talked about craft and there yeah. are fewer of you who listen to those. And yeah. so, you know, we, we do save that for us. Yeah. I mean, I think we don't often on the podcast talk about like quality of writing. Right. Um, because there are two different ways of reading romance, I think. Yeah. There are two different ways of reading in general. One is, like, I really enjoy this on a sentence level. Right. And then one is, like, it just gave me all the feelings. Right. And we tend on the podcast to do the feelings talk, right? Right. And I think... Unless we're reading Flowers from the Storm. Sure. So I do think that in that way... I was going to say Flowers in the Attic, but that's different. (laughs) A very different reading. Totally different. So, yeah, I would say, like, really nitty-gritty craft stuff about, like, the writing or, you know, I mean, sometimes to, like, I would say almost the minutia. Like, we're really over it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we very rarely on the, but often I will text Jen and say, I, I have a real issue, you guys. I think everybody knows this. I really care a lot about endings. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so often I will, we often are texting in general and just like about what we're reading Sure. and I'll be like, I love this book. I love it so much. And I'll be texting for like three or four hours of like how much I love it. And then at the end I'll be like, they didn't stick the landing. Yeah. And that's always, um, yeah. so that's one that I wouldn't bring to the pod. Yeah. Well, it's hard. Right. For sure. And I guess I would also say we talk a lot about like the business, I guess, of yeah. romance, like, right. Just sort of like dumb stuff how the podcast is doing and you know we've had like a really long discussion today about like audiobooks and i mean like yeah. just like i don't know stuff like that so you wouldn't care about it yeah stuff that we only care about but if we think it's fun we do often bring it to the pod yeah this one's from book it to clarence uh, on the discord a superstar do you have any favorite romances in movies are there any that give you the same feeling as romance mm. in books? Oof. Huh. That's a good question. That is a good one. So I will start. Okay. Um, I do have favorite romances in movies. I really, well, you all know that I really, really love Moonstruck. I think it's terrific. Mm-hmm. And Loretta and Johnny are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're the best. And Ronnie. <laughs> Ronnie. Uh, Rebecca. Uh, Loretta and Ronnie are the greatest. Um, I am, um, I do believe that When Harry Met Sally is a tremendous short romance, not a romance. It's like the best long, you know, slow burn yeah. enemies to friends to lovers <laughs> ever. No. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just a classic. Um, I mean, I'm really, I'm, an, I am an Aura Efron Oh, fan. yeah, sure. Like, I think she really knew the job. But do they make me feel the same as, like, yeah, Derek Craven? No. Come on now. So here's what I'll say. I, in everything I watch, I would like to have a romance. Like, right? Like. I want there, I want there to be kissing. Yeah. Yeah. In everything I watch. And I'm, as you know, now, especially, like, I don't watch as much as I used to. Um, just for, like, complicated reasons that actually have to do with streaming, actually. Um, maybe I've said this. Like, my husband just can watch shows. I, I, my preferred pace of show is like one hour a week <laughs> mm-hmm. and he can like sit down and, and binge just, and binge. And so 
once binging started to be a thing that happened in the world, I stopped watching TV because he was my TV buddy and he just watched so much faster than me. So anyway, um, movie-wise, but like if I am watching something, I definitely want people to be falling in love and kissing. But here's like a, a, a movie I love that is like, a really goofy older movie. It's called Strictly Ballroom. It's Australian. <gasps> I love it it's so much. Really, if you've never seen it, it's from the '90s. So it and it's it was campy at the time. So I also think it's aged really well because it wasn't mm-hmm. trying. It was trying from the jump to just be this really campy, over the top thing. And Fran is a beginner at her ballroom studio, and handsome young hot guy. I can't remember his name. What's his name? I don't know. Fran. And, I don't, I don't remember. know. He does Matt Scott. Fran Scott um, is like a champion at the ballroom. And he loses his partner and has to dance with Fran. But it's just awesome. And it really is like a, like this silly, goofy 90s indie movie from Australia that really does like deliver big romance feelings. Yep. And, you know, it's holiday season. So we're coming up on the time when everybody rewatches all the movies that yeah. they watch. And I got to say, I know it's basic, but Bridges Jones's diary mm-hmm. yeah. at the end with the, well, all the way through with the like fist fight where, you know, Hugh, Hugh Grant throws Colin Firth through a plate glass window. <laughs> I mean, like it is so fun yeah. as like a truly great rom-com and then that moment at the end where Darcy goes and buys Bridget a new diary. Yeah. It's and then they kiss and she says, nice boys don't kiss like that. And he <laughs> says, oh, yes, they fucking do. It's great. It's perfect. Yeah. But do I wish that they banged more? Sure. Yes. Of course. A thousand percent. In fact, there is no Darcy Bridget banging in that movie. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to tell you about and that. I don't care about it. I don't care for it. Yeah, I mean, the thing that is on my list to watch That's is... That's part of it, though. I want them to bang. Joyride. Have you seen Joyride? No. So everybody says it's so funny. And then I saw, like, a, like someone on Twitter posted us a scene where there's apparently, like, a threesome. And I was like... Oh, hello. Hello. Joyride All right. is my next, my next watch, everybody. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Melanie Green, author of Away with a Stranger. All right. This one is perfect for Christmas, everyone. Somebody just uh, Instagrammed us and asked for a Christmas novella. Here you uh, go. This is this is a good one. Melanie Green, who just asked a question as part of the episode, has asked. Uh, this new book coming out, Cole Dunway has got everything under control, Jen. I mean, I love everything it. because there are certainly things that he can't control. But the things he can control, Cole has locked down. He is ready to go. He is wheeling his suitcase through an airport, headed back to the Gulf Coast for Christmas with his family. And he smacks dead into his uh, a friend of a friend, Andy Ennis, who does not have everything under control. Andy has packed for Christmas with family and has been uninvited to their family home, which is fine. They will figure it out because they always do. And um, they do figure it out because Cole uh, muscles his way <laughs> in and decides that he is going to bring Andy home with him. 
So these two end up on the Gulf Coast sharing a cozy beach cottage and spending Christmas in the arms of each other and Cole's terrific family. And there they find unexpected connections and plenty of heat, which doesn't surprise me. Melanie knows how to bring it. But of course, with all holiday romances, this is the question. Is it holiday magic or can the romance endure once they've left sand and Santa behind? Perfect. This one is great if you're looking for a Christmas-themed small-town contemporary. Cole is transmasculine and uh, Andy is non-binary. This has a lot of forced proximity and sun, Christmas in the sunshine, found family. And uh, if you love a book about someone learning to shed their protective armor... This one's it. Everybody, you can find Away with a Stranger in print or in ebook anywhere books are sold. Check out Melanie's Instagram at Melanie Green Author or her website, MelanieGreen.com. Thank you to Melanie for sponsoring this week's episode and for submitting a question for this week's episode. Thanks, Melanie. All right, Molly from the Discord okay. uh, says, I was just thinking that I would love the story of how you met slash became friends slash decided to do the podcast. I know it was on Twitter, but I feel like you have so many newer listeners who maybe don't know the backstory. And also, it would probably be fun to hear you tell it out loud. Okay. I do not remember how this began. Okay. So, I do because I was a nobody and you were somebody. (laughs) That's not true. Okay. Now, I'm not sure this is true, but the first time that maybe I directly interacted with you on Twitter is, like, you. someone had asked a question, I think. This is back in the golden age of Twitter, when everybody just talked to everybody else about mm-hmm. romance and it wasn't gross. Yeah. And somebody had asked a question a about... among us. Yeah, about, I think... We were the faction. The, yes. Like, all of romance was just, it was us against the world. Yes, right. It's before four, it was us against us. Um, someone asked a question about, I think, a romance that has, like, a like a slow start, like, the characters don't even meet. And I said, whatever is that first Lisa Klapis, where, uh, the, the contemporary. Oh, yeah. She ha- oh, Blue-Eyed Devil. No, Sugar Daddy. She doesn't meet him for, like, no, and through the whole first half. Yes. She's with somebody else. with this other person. Yes. And it's horrifying. And I, but I think my point is, is I think I impressed you because you were like, oh, that's a really good example. That's a great example. Right? And so then, and I was like. (laughs) I'm sure I wasn't impressed. I'm sure I was just like, yes. Yeah, right. My, one of us. Right. So (laughs) then what happened is every once in a while we would DM about something else. I can't remember. It was kind of like, you know. Well, we started to realize, I think, that we like the same kind of books. Right. Right. And then the the so then when we met in person the first time, you were in Chicago coming to Printer's Row. Yeah, but we were we weren't doing the podcast then? No. I guess we weren't. I don't think so. I think so here's what happened is we met I don't Sarah, I don't know. I'm like, would that have been a whole year in, in advance? Before we started the podcast? I don't know. Look, I'm sorry. You guys we're <laughs> I guess I'd have to like go back. We and, like, don't remember, but because uh, I thought we started the podcast first. No, I that th- would be weird. No, here's what I think: Printer's Row was at a different time of year. I think it was in spring. Printer's Row. Oh, you don't think it was in? It wasn't in September. No, because we started the podcast in October. Yeah, 
But maybe you, you, maybe we met. I don't know. I feel like we met first. We definitely met at Printer's Row for the first time. Yes. And there were a bunch of people. And then we ended up somewhere together and it was cool. And then I like had your phone number and I felt really cool. And then I think maybe the, maybe then it was like, let's, you were like, let's do this IED podcast. But you were kicking around the idea of doing another podcast too. I was. It was like podcast were in the air. Yeah. And you had a couple different ideas. You were going to try it with a couple different people. No, that makes it sound like I was like auditioning people. I wasn't. No, but there were two one separate was more about ideas, writing. and one was about writing, yeah. and one was about reading. And the reality was that like all I wanted to do was talk about IAD. Mm-hmm. So the way that, and then Jen also wanted to talk about IAD. Sure. And so we were like, okay, cool. And then you all have heard us say this part, which is we really did think that it was just going to be eighteen <laughs> episodes. Yes. And so we recorded the first episode, and we were so proud of each other, of, of ourselves, yes. and each other. And I brought it to Eric, who's a podcaster, a podcast person, and a producer <laughs> by, like, trade. It was like, you guys sound like by kids. law. And he listened to And I was like, well, it's so good. It sounds so good. And he listened to, like, two minutes of it. And he was like, you cannot. Yeah. M- like, my wife <laughs> cannot release a podcast that sounds this trash. Yeah. And so that's how, honestly, I mean, like, yes, if it wasn't we for Eric it among ourselves all the yes. time, but it's important for you all to know, like, Eric is really the glue here because yes. we we're just idea people. definitely not have been able to pull this off or make it sound as good as it does, which is important. And I mean, I think that's something that he was like, it has to sound good. You have to sound good. The, and then, the audio quality. And then it was like, buy a mic. And then I was like, nope, not that mic. I mean, I feel like looking yeah. back, there was a lot of. The first couple months, especially us, really just like figuring it out. Like we used to record using FaceTime, but then it stopped working and we had to go to Zoom. And like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. like it really was something that took a quite a couple months for us mm-hmm. to figure out. Well, and we knew that it, we were aware of the idea that like readers, people who were listening to the podcast might not be reading as fast as us. You know, yeah. like I had tore through I tore through the entire IED series in like sure. 10 days. But the idea, <laughs> but like we knew that we we had to do, we had to release the episodes every two weeks in order for you all to keep up. Yeah. Although most of you were reading, yeah. could have read faster. But, um, and I remember Eric saying like, okay, but podcasts need to be weekly in order for people to, to want to keep coming to back. Keep, right. And so we um, said we'd do those like 15 minute sure. little, literally called interstitials because that is what an interstitial is. It is not a whole hour. It is like just a tiny In little, between, a little break. bite between the two. And that didn't work, as you know, because we like to hear ourselves talk. <laughs> well, actually, I have to go me, check on the roast. Everyone. Let me end with one more story that is related to this, which I don't know that I we have ever told, which is back in the before it was the podcast and it was just Twitter DMs. One of the things Sarah said to me in a DM was, all I want to do is just talk about romance all day. And I, like, I was like, me too. Like, and I think I even said, like, if you knew how much, if anyone knew how much of my free time on any given day is just thinking about romance novels... They would be shocked. <laughs> and Sarah was like, oh, no, me too. And I feel like that to me, despite all the rest of that story, it's, it was that moment where I was like, this is the only person who understands. So me. wait, I can pin. I know exactly where I was when I had the moment where I was like, Jen is my fate of me. <laughs> and it was season two. We were doing books that blooded us and we were reading A Kingdom of Dreams. 
Judith McNaught's A Kingdom of Dreams. And I had gotten to, I was walking in the park, in Prospect Park in Brooklyn, and I had this moment where I was like, I had a a moment of pure clarity about toxic masculinity (laughs) and the hero of A Kingdom of Dreams and how I'd like, and I had to say it out loud. I was with Eric and our daughter and we were just walking, having a lovely like weekend walk. And I had this moment and I was like, I have to say this out loud and I cannot say this to Eric because he will not understand what kind of revelation I've just had. And I picked, it was like Sunday at like eight in the morning. And I, for you, it was like nine in the morning for me. And I called you and I was like, I know it's the weekend and I know it's so early, but I have to say this thing about toxic masculinity. And you listened to me and you were like, oh my God. Yes. (laughs) But I mean, that's it. It's just like, I, I really feel like that's the part that is hard to describe to People like just how much time I spend thinking about romance. Oh, here's a fun thing, though. I, maybe we, I don't know if we've ever told you this. The original name of the podcast. You remember this? No. We joked around that it should be called Mortals After Dark. Oh, yeah. Remember? And then it turned out that there's already podcasts called that with like five listeners. And then we were like, I think I, I don't remember. But I was like, I think we should call it Dated Mates. Can I you? mean, I, that's amazing. So I do think that I named the Way podcast. To go. I think that was me. I believe you. Okay. <laughs> that's canon now. That's canon. <laughs> um, but I also think that that's why, like, I think, I think that's the stat. I know that you are having a lot of trouble emotionally about, like, letting go of Twitter. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why it is so yes. hard to let, a, let go of social networks, especially now, like, it really does feel like we are yeah. moving culturally into a new era where social networks are not as, right. as like, right. powerful as they were. And, um, and I think part of the reason why is because we really did, there was a, there was a real sweet spot there where so many of us were meeting people who felt we really love. Yeah. And who wanted to talk about the things I wanted to talk about all the time. Like, wait, you love this genre the way I do. Wait, you know as much about as I do. Wait, you've read that book from 1987 also. Like, there's a lot of magic to finding a group of people, especially because when, we were coming up, I mean, there's still such a stigma around romance, mm-hmm. but when we were coming up, there was like a stigma around romance, right? And I felt like finding that was so magical. Man. Yeah. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Lumi Labs, creators of microdose gummies. Uh, we are big fans of the microdose gummy here, and I'm going to tell you a true story, which is I was in New York this past weekend. Everybody knows I had like tweaked my knee a little bit doing something dumb. If you need to know, I tried to kick a really big beanbag chair in my classroom and was like, ouch. And then, you know, <laughs> you go to New York and you walk for like 800 miles and my knees hurt a little bit. And you know what made me feel better? Was it a microdose gummy? It sure was. It was great. Did you get your, you have your favorite, was it your like bubblegum flavor? Cotton candy. Cotton Mm -hmm. candy. Yeah. And you can also find out more about these great gummies by checking out to learn more about the benefits of microdosing. Go to microdose.com. You can do a quick search about THC and find out many of the ways that people use these for creative enhancement, for wellness, um, just sleep, a little bit of pain, anxiety, um, all sorts of things. So we are big fans and we think you should check them out. 
Microdose is available nationwide. And to learn more about microdosing THC, you can do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use the code FADEDMATES to get free shipping and 30% off your order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com, code FADEDMATES. Thanks to Lumi Labs for sponsoring this week's episode. All right. So wait, I have another question from the Discord from Mel Green. Okay. Um, Melanie Green, the author, uh, she wants to know, uh, with discovery, discoverability, Mm -hmm. so many of our listeners discover their books listening to us. How do we discover the books that we then talk about? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. And this, I will tell you, this year has felt harder than it has ever been for me. Yeah, I would agree. Because Twitter's gone, right? I don't find, I don't. And it used to be that. Like, right. it used to it be, be like, oh, yeah. you'd see, like, somebody you trusted, like, had read yeah. something weird. And you were like, oh, I've never heard of that before. I'm going to read that. So-and-so read it. Um, that's a good question. I would say that I try really hard to talk to, just like, a, a, it is still word of mouth. It's just, like, not as direct of a source anymore. Like, everyone's mouths are on Twitter. So I do get a lot of it from the Discord, right? So our Discord, everybody has lots of different channels. So, like, one of the things that's been really interesting about building a Discord from scratch is, like, essentially having people, you know, like, be like, can we have a channel for queer romance? Can we have a channel for sports romance? And so it's as it's gotten bigger, and that actually is kind of cool because if you're like, okay, I just want to read about this, I can, like, dive in and just sort of see what people are recommending in there, um, I also get a lot of my, a lot of discoverability for me, everybody, is because I still review for Kirkus. So I am assigned titles by my editor and those are not things I choose. And so, you know, a couple times a month I'm reading a book that I would not have selected. So that's really helpful. Um, and then, you know what, luckily for me, there's a romance only bookstore in Chicago called Love Sweet Arrow. Like I went there last week. And, you know, they have, like, a, a front table, but the front table is all romance, right? And so instead of it being like, okay, the Barnes & Noble might have a few things. And so I picked up a couple books off of the front table that were new to me or that I had not heard of, which, of course, are at my house now, so I can't remember which ones they are. But All right, let's do a okay. quick wreck. Okay. Books set in a jungle. Oh, books set in a jungle. All right, I got one. Okay. Marie Donovan's his line of duty. Mm, I oh, feel wait. like I got I think that might be wrong, but like check oh, oh, here's something Eric wants you to know about. Oh. Um right now in many podcast apps, if you look down, there is a an image of a Harlequin right now by Marie Donovan and it has a green beret on it. <laughs> and uh, that's the book I'm talking about. And if you can if you click on the link beneath it. It will take you to a place where you can buy that book. Yeah. So look at that. We try to make things fun here for you and easy. Anyway, this book is filthy. <laughs> it's but because bl- they're in the jungle or because both. <laughs> so, okay, listen, here's what I'll say. This is what I hear. You know how I said earlier, like, oh, it's been six months and it's been six seasons. So now I'm a little like freer with what's filthy. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> Kittens, headphones in. So, all right. This book it might be her line of duty. I can't remember. Anyway, she's like a regular old lady. Well, she's not a regular old lady. She's like 
the like very beautiful, very put together daughter of a senator. Sure. And um, she is about to go on some kind of mission, not like mission, religious mission, but like some kind of something with an on, an NGO or something to South America. Mm-hmm. And she needs to learn basic survival skills. Okay. Uh, I don't know, because she's going to be alone in a jungle. I, sure. It's not important. Romance reasons. And so he, uh, the senator, his her father, decides that she he's going to enlist this Green Beret, <laughs> who is Cajun, like very sexy Cajun, um, into teaching her basic survival skills. So he um, he's like, and he, of course, is like, ugh. The yeah. last thing I need is this, like, yeah, right, of girl course. hanging on to me. But, like, in order for him to get something, I don't know. There, again, romance reasons. He's forced to agree. And they head out into the bayou. Yeah. So I guess it's not a jungle. Same but it's thing. jungle prep. And same there are energy. crocodiles. So, like, it's kind of the same. And um, they, and they, like, are there for a week. And she has to survive. And she has to, like, I don't know, like swing herself up to, like, save herself from a floating anaconda in a river. I don't know if it's an anaconda for real. It's like, <laughs> no, it's like an actual snake, though. I'm not, that's not a euphemism. Um, and, <laughs> and then, um, anyway, so they do all this stuff. And then, like, four or five days in, they're, like, so hot for each other from the jump. But, like, they're, they're just, like, these two are melting. They're so yeah, horny. Right. And he goes down on her. Like, several days into this jungle, like, prep. And it feels, like, too much in a lot of ways. Like, the whole time you're like, this is, like, she is not. She's not washed. This is unclean. (laughs) But also, like, he just is so dirty. He's like, yeah, like, like, let's do it. Like, it's so hot and great. Okay. Anyway, so we're, I'm very sad that uh, Blaze no longer exists. Yeah. Okay. So I've got some. Old, I've got a new one that just came out this week. Oh yeah. Um, that a lot of people are talking about has a cute cover. Raiders of the Lost Heart. Oh, this right? is so cute. By Joe Seguera. I'm not sure. Sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, Joe. Um, but it is like literally on the cover. Them like behind. Like there's a waterfall cute. behind them and. Um, so, the, and it's funny because, and they're archaeologists uh, teaming up in the Aztec. Now, I don't know if there is, well, it, I think it says they're on an expedition deep in the Mexican jungle. Listen, there you go. Perfect. So, right there, a new one is being delivered right into your inbox. Um, a really, it's funny because there are a lot of old school uh Old school categories often had jungles with, like, that sort of trope. Mm-hmm. Like, there was one in particular named Darkfire, Darkfire by Elizabeth Lowell. And in this one, it's actually, okay, you guys remember, I was talking about the Elizabeth Lowell where she shows him, shows him the shirt. Ryan McCall is his <laughs> name. This is his sister. Ooh. And she goes down to, like, the cloud forest. I'll never forget this. And Is that a real thing? I don't fucking know. I'm Googling it. And I'll report it in a second. In, in Ecuador. Okay, so she goes down to this cloud forest in Ecuador. This book is from, like, the 80s, you guys, and it's probably bonkers and whatever. So just know that going in. And he is like, I'm too busy to be dealing with this dumb woman in the cloud forest. Okay, a cloud forest, pause. Okay. It occurs within tropical or subtropical mountainous environments where atmospheric conditions allow for a constant cloud cover. Sure. Either way, the scene I remember (laughs) super vividly is that her Jeep gets stuck. Oh. 
And he's like, well, I'm just going to like sit here until she gives up and then I'll take her back to the airport and send her home. And so she's like trying to chop down leaves with her machete to like put under the wheels so that like she can oh, keep yeah. driving. Like she's got a whole theory. The wall. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just going to wait till she gives up. And he like a jackass sits there for hours and like watches her and she will not give up and i was just like, oh i love it yeah it was fucking great because nobody it. wrote an 80s heroine like elizabeth lowell so, no anyway that's dark fire all right let's see how about Ooh, this is a great one okay what about a book that has everything you hate oh and that i and love yet you love God, that is a good question. All right, I have one. I'll go okay. first because everyone knows. Cause I already said I'm on the record, not only in life, but also in this episode as uh, <laughs> That's her the dog, dog is, is having making, a bad dream. The dog's like, I don't like this dream. It doesn't have anything I like in it. <laughs> Kyle, wake up. I'm on the record for not liking spies. And I don't like spies for lots of reasons, mainly because they just get in the way. Whatever mm-hmm. they're spying yeah. about gets in the way of the banging it out part. <laughs> but I adore Astor Glenn Gray's Honey Trap, yeah, which is about Cold War spies. It's male-male, and it is a Russian spy and an American spy who are... Um, working together, Khrushchev, there has been, Khrushchev has just been to the United States. This is actually historically true. Um, and there was a assassination attempt while he was there. And the American spy and the Russian spy must work together to basically like figure out what happened, like who was Mm -hmm. attempting to assassinate Khrushchev on American soil. And they fall in love. But of course, like, because it's the 19... you know, 50s, 60s, I should know better which mm-hmm. decade, but you all are with sure. me. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously can't, like, be together, not only because they are men, but also because they are quite literally yeah. opposing countries' spies. Like, they are <laughs> they are literal enemies at the, like, in the DNA of their work and in their national identities. And it is... Really, really great. Okay. I am... Okay. Here's... This is like a... I don't... I guess I'm on record. I don't love, like, like the BDSM romance, like, in the club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you're just, like, at home, and there's, like, a little spanking. Like, sure, it's sexy. But, like, sometimes, like, the feels whole... feels like a lot of work It feels... Yeah. It feels like a lot of work. And also, just at some point, I'm like, are there this many beautiful people wanting to, like, bang it out in, in public? I, Maybe. I just... I just don't know. Okay. So anyway, um, a book I really liked, though, that had this plot was yeah. Driven by Fate by Tessa Bailey. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, which is that she is actually a taxi driver. And she finds this guy God, who... Tessa does that job. She really has she does, that like, yeah. old school job. Yeah, right. She really had it, she anyway. had it figured out. And anyway, and um, her name's Frankie. And she... Ends up with this guy who's, you know, just, like, real into, like, the scene. Nice. And this, and there's, like, and they meet in a club, and she's, like, really into it, and he's kind of like, you're too young and innocent for this. But she's like, no, I'm not. And I don't know, like, everything about this book really, like, I, I really loved it. Even though, like, it, you know, because I, and I think it played against type in a lot of ways, like, 
they go to a club at one point and they're like doing a scene and she thinks that one thing is happening and instead it's something else. Um, he, he, and she gets so mad that she safe words out and like leaves him. And I just thought it was like really like it used the BDSM kind of beats in a way that I felt were like made it really interesting to me, I guess I would say. Cool. Um, I don't know if I have. Oh, I don't like I have read one bully romance ever and it's never sweeter by Charlotte Stein. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that subgenre at all. And that was one, though, that I thought was just like really, really good. So. All right. A couple of quick ones and then we'll be done. When are you guys coming to Chicago? I smell East Coast bias. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, part of that is because Two Eric of produces the three of us, us are here. Yeah, exactly. And Jen and I don't want to have to lug, find, you know, you know, Eric sure. has to be there. Yeah, he has to hook up a lot of wires. Yeah, and one person traveling versus two and all that stuff is a yeah lot easier um but that doesn't mean we are not interested in fact i will say it, sarah won't be there but in april at spring fling which is a mm-hmm. romance writers conference held by like the romance writers kind of north chicago chapter it used to be an rwa chapter it's not anymore they disaffiliated um they have a really great conference for writers and i will be there and kate claiborne will be there are you guys gonna do a thing I, it is not official yet, but I was like, Kate, it would be really fun for us to teach a class together. That would be so cool. But uh, that's a big yes. Maybe we could yet. record it and put it on the pod. Yeah, but definitely we have talked about doing it elsewhere, and it's just, it is tricky because of that. But if you, you know, have a have a yeah. venue, we're in. In fact, Nicole says, what about a fade, Faded Mates bookstore tour? <laughs> Which that would be really fun. Would be very very fun. We should do that. And yeah. I'm I'm thinking two things. One, I'm thinking a literal tour where we just go to bookstores. <laughs> yes. Um, but I'm also thinking it would be very fun to go to like the Rabatis or Love Sweet Arrow with our instant go live and, and be just, like, like, here's what you books. should. Yeah, here's what you should buy. Here. Um, that is very fun. We're putting it on the list. Um, Kristen, Rebecca wants to know, I have a lot of fun stickers, but I don't want to put them on my computer. Where else <laughs> should I put them? Water bottles. Um, notebooks, your planners, um, you know, they peel right off of laptops if you can convince yourself to give it a try. Um, you could get like a, a frame and put some, Mm -hmm. like frame something like an empty frame and just make it like a place you put stickers. Yep. Um, Non-book book accessories you use and love. Gifts. Oh. Gifts. This is a good one. We should have come with this. We should have done that episode. Yeah. My, a couple of years ago. So everybody, I don't know if I talk about this. I have restless leg syndrome and it, that sounds like a dumb made up thing, but it's pretty severe. And in the evenings, I often stand a lot because I, it's just hard to sit or lay. And standing is like what feels best. So my husband bought me a book stand, like a wooden book stand where you like put the book on and then, you know, it's sort of tilted up. I, essentially like a cook, probably cookbooks kind of have similar things. And I use it all the time because I just like stand there and it like has my book propped up to like my exact right height. Yeah. Um, People really like this uh page turner for your kindle have you heard about this no 
So, you know, you're like all snuggled up in bed, but you have to like turn the page with your finger. <laughs> so there's like a, a like a Bluetooth page oh, turner for your Kindle. Listen. <laughs> no, listen. I think it sounds amazing. This world is going to fall into the see and we're gonna deserve it because we don't have the energy to turn our own pages listen i think it's amazing <laughs> i want one. Oh, maybe a bit weird oh but fine. yeah and this one's for you okay i haven't read any of sarah's books <gasps> where, where sh- do i start oh wow okay well hmm such a good question okay Here's what I would say. First of all, it's okay. Yes. <laughs> obviously. You don't have to read my books. It's not required. Yeah. I guess I would say it depends because obviously Sarah writes series. So you have to think about the books that are like the first ones in a series. And to me, it would be either the first of the Casino series. Uh, Rogue by any other name. I was like, it has Rogue in the title. But it is also, you know, I think that's a pretty heavy-duty one because it See, has and that's a why, kidnapping in it. Exactly. And I was going to say, though, is, like, that hero is a real D-bag. And I mean that in the way that I, like, love him, Let of me course. tell you something. He wrote that way, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think the other thing about that is it also, to me, is a series that is, it, there's four books, right? Which is kind of cool. So you're, like, really leaning into, like, that whole thing. In turn, so I think that that is a really interesting book because it's about, in almost in every case, one of the main characters is essentially being like rehabilitated into society, right? Like they have been, they're they're on the edge, and mm-hmm. it's like they're gonna get pulled back in. Um, in, and I would say the other place to start though, it it's not the newest series because Bombshell goes back to right. Mm-hmm. Goes back to that series. Goes back to that series. Um, I also really would like to make a case for the series that ends with Day of the Duchess. What's the oh scandal and scandal scandal and scandal? Like I'm like you know that begins with a, the other Rogue book. I know the Rogue not taken, and that one is more of like a a, a jaunt, like right, like they're in a carriage and it's like a road trip and going it's, to Scotland. They're going to Scotland, and and I would also say the second book in that series, A Scott in the Dark. Is one of my like dark horse Sarah McLean favorites. Aw. I really love that heroine. She is just al- you. Only you. Yeah. No. She is <laughs> she is alone really? in yep. the world. And I um so many of your books are about like groups of people mm-hmm. that I also think it's really interesting to read a book where you're writing against type in that way. Yes. Well, thank you. All right, you heard it from Jen. Um, let's see. Thing I'm trying to look for a good ending one. Mm. Um, what about 2004? There, there are some 2024 oh. questions, right? So one of the big ones is 2024 prediction. Oh yeah, okay. All right. So obviously, this is not even a prediction. It's definitely going to happen. Is romanticy is here? Um, we are we are about to experience a lot of dragons. I think. Yeah. Sure. And other fantastical creatures. Yes. What else? I think uh, I think rom-com is on the down. I predict there will be fewer rom-coms by the end of 2024. Um, what else do I predict? I predict I will make an announcement about something new in you, 2024. Okay. Um, it's not like a big, yeah. that's like a big sweeping, you know, yeah. <laughs> industry announcement, but it is an announcement. I'll have something to say. 
um, I can't say romance to see with a straight face. That's just silly for me. I'm sorry. I'm going to, I think fantasy and romance is like a really interesting, in in a really interesting position. And that what romance readers want versus what fantasy readers want seems to be in high tension to me. And I think that it's very interesting to see how that plays out. Mm. So there are huge books, right? Everyone read Fourth Wing. Everyone reads Sarah J. Moss. But I'm really going to be curious to see how some of the smaller books in that field Mm do. Is it just that there's like a big appetite for one huge book every year? Or is that going to carry over into other, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So um, you have a dream, not a prediction, a sort of like a hope. Yeah, I want to see historical. I'm, 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 I miss great historicals. Same. That is my, and I was saying this to Jen earlier, but I'll say it to you all too, is um, one of the things that I keep thinking about is the, the paranormal boom, which yeah. I think, I think we're in like a similar situation as we were in the beginning in like the 2010 mm-hmm. era, the like late, late aughts into the 2000, early 2010s. Um, I think that, uh, the paranormal boom was followed almost immediately by a new generation of historical writers. Mm-hmm. And I think that will happen too. Yeah. After. I think that's what comes next after fantasy, whatever's happening in fantasy. Someone on the, you know, and I think one of the things that's really interesting is that um, what's popular in Kindle Unlimited seems to drive a lot of like what is popular. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, th- the other thing that's really interesting, of course, is just like keeping an eye out for indie. You know, self-published authors can just get out on the ground really fast. They can publish things that do like amazingly well. I mean, like Aaron Langston was like a big name in historical romance this year because a lot of people just really loved her book and talked about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, that's one of the things that has to happen. But that whole like kind of back to that word of mouth question, like, how are you getting out there and... And, you know, finding it or talking about it or, like, you know, the sort of discoverability question is a really big one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I used to think that I could make a good prediction, but I don't know if I can anymore. I think that I just want good books. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think there's no question that romance right now is still driving the car of publishing. And so... Um, it's interesting to see what's happening. I think a lot more books that are popular on Kindle Unlimited and TikTok are getting bought by traditional publishers. I think, uh, we are going to see, I would expect that we will see that start to wane in 2024. Um, yeah, I think these, I, I, I don't think you should chase this market. I think if that question was because you are hoping to write to market. Yeah. I think if anything, the last two years have taught us like. That is not a good idea. Well, you should write what you love. And it goes so fast. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like mo- the monster romance moment was like, boom, boom, right? And it felt like we were never going to get rid of monster romance. And then it was like six months. Yeah. I mean, and so that is part, I mean, and that's why, I mean, I know that like the difference between monster romance and traditional romance is like, tradi- it's traditional publishing is like all in on romanticy. And they, they weren't on monsters because I think that it's like a little bit more. So, I mean, the other thing I'm thinking Dragons is. Dragons are sexier than orcs. Yes. But I think the other thing that maybe I am willing to say is it feels to me like tra- what traditional publishing has not figured out how to do is harness dark romance. And I think it's going to be 
mashed up with horror and sold as horror. Interesting. Because I think they are eyeing those readers and wondering how to do it. And I don't think there's... I, and, and so for me, I think that's going to be maybe what we'll see. Well, that's really fascinating because I do think the horror imprints are very small. Yeah. Like they're like horror imprints really work as independent like yeah. publishing inside big houses. So I will be interested to see if that happens. All right, everyone, you heard it here first. <laughs> Probably not, though, except for that horror thing. I haven't heard that horror thing before. I'm Sarah McLean, and I am quite literally here with my friend Jen Prokop. Yay! We are Faded Mates. You can find us every Wednesday in your ear holes on your favorite podcasting app. You can find us on Discord where we do fun things. Yes. Including. Yes. Oh, tell everybody. We are going to have a, I don't exactly know what platform on yet. We're still trying. I think it's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be a live hang. A live hangout where Sarah and I are like doing this, but you guys can like answer questions, come hang out. Like, you know, it'll all be happening, I think, via YouTube through our Discord. On the 20th of December. Yes. TBA in in terms of time. It'll be the evening. Evening for us. Eastern time. Yeah. Um, And that will be really fun, including lots of also places to discuss all the books you love. Yep. And um, you get to get episodes like this, bantery, very big bantery episodes once a month. You can learn more about that at patreon.com slash fatedmates. Um, you can find us on Twitter at FadedMates, on Instagram at FadedMatesPod. And uh, thanks, as always, to our sponsors and to you all for listening to us just be goofy. <laughs> I mean, that horror thing was a good idea. It was. That was We did that. Okay. You did that. I did that one. Okay. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.